0: So today is Trinity Sunday, and this morning I want to talk about experiencing God as He truly is. Experiencing God as He truly is, and to experience God as He truly is, is to experience God as Holy Trinity. And that's so because what God is, is Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, That is to say that that category of existence that we call God or the divine exists, indeed has always existed and is shared fully and equally with three persons, three persons whom we know commonly as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The first thing that I'd like us to notice is that to experience God as Holy Trinity is to experience God as God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. That to experience God as Holy Trinity is to experience God as God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Indeed, there are many things in the life and ministry of Jesus, His teaching, that speaks to His divinity and his equality with God the Father. And in his teaching and in his life that speaks of the the Holy Spirit's equality with God the Father. So that the revelation of God that we have in Jesus Christ is that the Father is God, that the Son is God, and that the Holy Spirit is God. And that God is a trinity of persons is even suggested in the events of Jesus' life, such as the baptism of Jesus. In fact, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. But when we read in Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, about the baptism of Jesus, seemingly, (laughs) the trinity is there. Notice, Matthew 3 and beginning at verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, there's Jesus. He's the what? He's the Son. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God. There's Jesus. There's the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. And behold, a voice from heaven. Whose voice? Well, listen to what the voice says. A voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. That's the voice of the Father. The Son is there, the Spirit is there, and the Father is there. Another example that God is a trinity of persons is seen in the way that Jesus himself describes God in what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission, also in Matthew's Gospel. Indeed, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, and beginning at verse 19, Jesus has uh, risen from the dead after his passion, and uh, he, has a, he has yet to ascend. And to, as you read the book of Acts, for a period of 40 days, from the time of his resurrection till his ascension, he was with his disciples, he was teaching about the kingdom of God, he was eating with them. And on one particular occasion, we don't know exactly where, he said this to them, And so now, go therefore, Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Philip, Andrew, (laughs) go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not just the Jews, but everyone. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And when you do, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But notice what he says. Baptize them in the name. It doesn't say names. It doesn't say baptize them in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it's very, very clear. The name. And what's the name? What is God's name? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In fact, we say that. It said that this morning in our liturgy. We've gathered in God's name. Let us bless Him together. Blessed be God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because that's what God is. And this all through our liturgy. It's in the Scriptures. The creeds of the church are, are framed around the person or the, existent, the, the that category of existence that we call the divine. We call God. And we say, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. I believe in the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit and the Son weren't God and we say we believe in them, That would be idolatry, but it's not, because God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's the first thing, to experience God as Holy Trinity is to experience God as God is revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Secondly, to experience God as Holy Trinity is to experience God as God is revealed to us in in the Hebrew Scriptures. Indeed, even in the Old Testament, prior to the revelation of God that we have in Jesus Christ, we find seemingly hints of divine plurality. And so we read, for instance, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, after God created all so many various different things, we read, and then God said, and let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Well, that's sort of an interesting thing to say. Is that how you talk? Let us? <laughs> you would say, I, uh, if God was just one person, God would say, uh, and this is the next thing I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to create humankind in my image. But there's a plurality there. It seems rather suggestive. Let us. Is the Father speaking to the Son, the Son speaking to the Holy Spirit. In fact, as you read the Bible, all of, the, all of them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are all engaged in the creation of the world. Or in Genesis 18, in, beginning at verse 1, we read that the Lord appeared to Abram, or Abraham, at the oaks of Mamre. It says, and as he sat in the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, three men. The Lord appeared to him. And how does God appear to Abraham? <laughs> he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran to the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord. Lord. O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Now, there's no explanation to this, but perhaps a theological suggestion, a hint as to the plurality of the divine. Or in that famous passage in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah talks about this beatific vision that he had of God. He spoke to the the kingdom of Judah and prophesied during the reigns of the kings of Judah, including Uzziah. And so we read in Isaiah 6 and beginning at verse 1, the prophet Isaiah says, In the year that Uzziah, the king of Judah, died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne and high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, And above him stood the seraphim, that's angelic beings. Each had six wings. Three on one side, three on the other. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory thrice holy, 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 holy. Three men appeared to the patriarch Abraham. And when the seraphim praise God in Isaiah's vision, they say that God is holy, holy, holy. And so God is seemingly, as Hank Hanegraaff suggests, one what and three who. (laughs) One what and three who. Three who. That is one category of divine existence, one category of the divine, sometimes referred to as Godhead. One category of divine existence that is shared equally by three distinct persons that we know because of the revelation of God that we have in Jesus Christ, His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so that's the second thing. To experience God as Holy Trinity is to experience God as God is revealed to us in the Hebrew Scriptures. Finally, to experience God as Holy Trinity is to experience God as God is proclaimed to us in the writings of of the apostles. Indeed, there are many things in the writings of the apostles that speak of the divinity of Jesus. It's all over the place. One, one wonders why anyone would really seriously question it. And uh, we read in the scriptures that Jesus forgives sins. In fact, when he, on one occasion, when he pronounced forgiveness, you remember that his detractors, religious, members of the religious establishment, objected. And why did they object? Because that's a divine prerogative. <laughs> God alone can forgive sins. Who do you think you are? You remember Jesus said this to a man that had been brought to him that was uh, lame and, and uh, paralyzed apparently. And he, and, he, and he said to his detractors that you might understand that the Son of Man, referring to himself, has the power to forgive sins. In fact, he asks the question, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or to say to this man, take up your pallet and walk. But that you might understand that I have the power to to forgive sins. He said to the man, take up your pallet and walk. And he got up and he walked out. Because Jesus is divine. And he forgives sins. Jesus spoke often of himself as the the judge at the end of all times. (laughs) Well, Moses never claimed that or any of the prophets and a good thing too because it would have been a lie. But Jesus says, and when the Son of Man comes in all of His glory and the holy angels, He will separate nations like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and He will judge the nations. Jesus is called God sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly in the writings of the apostles. And there are many things in the writings of the apostles that speak of the divinity of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is also creator together with the Father and the Son. The Spirit is, takes a part in redemption. In fact, without this whole, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the divine gift of redemption never is delivered. The Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, raised Christ from the dead. And that the Bible also says that the Father raised him from the dead. And Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I take it up again. They're all involved in resurrection. And the promise of Romans chapter 8 is that if the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will give life to your mortal bodies. And therefore, there are many things in the writings of the apostles that speak of the divine equality that exists between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so, this divine equality that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit seems uh, very simply a, a thing assumed by the apostles And even that when Paul concludes his second letter to the Corinthians with the famous Trinitarian blessing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14, Paul says famously, And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, that's the Father, the Theos, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, how can he mix them all together and, and, and refer to them as a source of divine blessing and grace? <laughs> because they're all God. <laughs> they are by definition what God is. Indeed, Paul uses this language because that is what God is. Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the God that loves you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the God that calls you into fellowship, into community with Himself. Indeed, God is community. God isn't a single person, not even two persons, which would, could establish a relationship, which we would call a coupling, In order to have community, there needs to at least be three. And there is three as it happens. God is community. And God invites you and invites me into this community. Indeed, someone has written, the point of the Christian life is not us making God a part of our life. Right? Oh, well, you know, I got my family, I got my job, I got my hobbies, I got God. That's not the point. That's not the point of the Christian life. The the point of the Christian life is not us adding or making God a part of our life. Rather, the point of the Christian life is God making us a part of His life. Which is a life of community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which existed even before the foundation of the world. This is the God that knows you by name and loves you so much, as what Brennan Manning put it, God loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. This is the God that loves you and calls you into fellowship, into community with himself. I wonder, is that how you're experiencing God? Experiencing God... As he truly is, let us pray. Wow, Lord! If we were, have we ever thought we might feel flattered? As Manning says, God loves you so much; He'd rather die than live without you. And you call us into that eternal community that is yours, come be with us. (laughs) Come experience us. We want you with us. That's why we created you and gave you capacity, having created you in our image and likeness that you might experience us and that we might experience you. Help us, Lord, to answer that call to understand and in some way comprehend what it is that you are and what it is that you're calling us to. That we might live life as you meant it to be, not life without you, but life with you. Understanding all the time that who you are is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.